Welcome to the Anna Podcast and this special episode for the American Foundation for Suicide's National Suicide Prevention Week 2019. In this episode, I welcome back school counselor Don Myers to have a conversation centered mostly around the concept of suicide survival or those who cope with the loss of a loved one to suicide. The bulk of our conversation centers around that topic, but we also weave in information related to it. I provide links in the show notes of this episode for those who have lost loved ones, are experiencing their own mental health challenge, and for those looking to learn more and advocate. I am passionate about this topic and honored you would choose to share space with us today in this episode as I amplify for you this conversation I was blessed to have around suicide survival with the incredible Dawn Myers. Welcome back, Don Myers, to the Anna Podcast. I am so excited to have you here for this very special episode for your listeners. It's kind of fun because if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that Don had an exceptional message that we amplified earlier this last year. And so I reached out to her last week and said, hey, do you mind if I kick your episode out and hashtag with the National Suicide Prevention and no, Don just being the go-getter that she is, she said, let's do another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm so excited to have you here and somebody that I see as an expert and somebody who's just really wise in this area of suicide prevention awareness. So let's have a conversation. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity, really. I think when you asked, I th- my first thing was, I didn't talk about that then. You know, it's absolutely not something that I thought I even brought up. And so, and then I'm like, oh yeah, of course, you know, we were talking about resilience and yes, that is part of my story, but I, I forget that I even would have brought up that (laughs) any, in any space. So yeah. Well, and I'm excited because I know that my listeners loved your episode. I continuously get feedback and the downloads on that one continue and it's really Mm -hmm. good. So I'm excited for people to hear more from you. Um, about this one in particular. So how do you, how would you say that suicide completion has touched your life personally, Don? Um, Unfortunately, I was exposed or (laughs) I had learned about suicide um, in fourth grade. And I, my brother's father had committed suicide when my mom was four months pregnant with Adam. And I was minutes from being the one to have found him. And so I learned really early about this horrible situation. And my mother's grief, I think, was she was dealing with her own grief and and trying to make that make sense for me was really, really difficult. And, and she did, and as much as a little one can figure that out. So from a real young age, I knew that people could suffer and and end up hurting themselves in that way, you know, and just thought about it differently than than many other people. Probably the first world upside down that happened was my high school boyfriend had committed suicide and we weren't together at the time. Um, we had been broken up for many years, but of course he was so important to me and his family is like my family. I loved them like my own. And um, so that death rocked our worlds. And that I think is really when I began to investigate maybe or or learn more to say, okay, wait a minute, this death feels different than grandparents' deaths or or any other sort of grieving that, you know, and I hadn't had a ton at that point, but I knew this one was different and, you know, the guilt and the thing, the emotional 
um, support that I needed through that death was way different than anything else. Um, And then, of course, in 2003, after multiple attempts on her life, my mother completed suicide. And um, so even though we always knew that was a possibility, maybe that almost made it worse because, you know, we always had this fake (laughs) hope of that it just wasn't going to happen because it hadn't and all these other attempts. And so she was actually gone. And um, that, of course, was a whole different grieving process again that we all went through and, you know, really changed the course of my work and the way I handled suicide attempts and and deaths um, with our students. I did not know about the previous two in your Mm -hmm. history and in your timeline. It's something Mm -hmm. we never got to. And that's one thing I've known about Don now that we've Mm -hmm. known of one another's existence for um, over five years now. Mm -hmm. You just have so much layered inside of your incredible life story that people wouldn't know because Mm -hmm. you're not a person who says, oh, but I've, you know, you're not one who leads with, oh, yes, and I've experienced that. It's such Mm -hmm. a wise thing about you, but it takes time to then unpeel those layers from you. I'm just thinking about the story and the continuum and your mom and her mental health challenges and knowing what I know now, you know, about people who complete suicides or have suicidal ideation and that depression, a lot of times is strong connected to having a suicide completion in their own life. And so that is interesting. I didn't know that she had that in her own life too. Yeah. And then you being so youthful, my heart is just connecting to that so heavy right now because I just shared with my daughters, my own brother. Mm -hmm. So my daughters are 10 and eight now, but when my brother passed, it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. And, and I couldn't bring myself until this last couple of weeks to share that reality. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's so hard. And I kept telling myself, well, if they don't need to know, they don't need to know yet. Mm -hmm. And so I'm picturing you as this fourth grader, the one who nearly, you know, is the one Mm -hmm. to discover. And it just is hard to bounce back from knowing I love you. (laughs) Just knowing you have this in your history, how hard that is for us developmentally at any age. Mm -hmm. But for you to have experienced that firsthand so young, Mm -hmm. um, it just goes back to speak to your resilience again is, is phenomenal. Yeah. How do you think when you said that you in your second experience with your um, boyfriend that had passed, you said that you started to realize it was a different kind of death and you process it differently and you mentioned guilt. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Guilt is a part of any grieving process. I think there's always things we would have, could have, should have, um, no matter how a person dies that we care about. There's so much guilt for all of us. Mm. But as a suicide survivor, I know everyone I've ever talked to, we all of a sudden can remember every single word we ever said or really didn't say for most of us. You know how some languages have different words for the same word, but you know, we need to create a suicide survivor guilt. (laughs) word. I think just the way that we can beat ourselves up and and wonder and wish and overanalyze every single thing is so common and and so real and maybe it's healthy, maybe that helps. I know after Sean died, I was in college and I gave a speech on because he had come to me and he had come to my house and talked with me and apologized for the bad stuff. And we had a great talk. He met my current boyfriend, who is now my husband, and they 
shook hands and, you know, it was like healthy and good. And I made a speech about it that, you know, him having the courage to do that and, and we hadn't spoken in years and how, how many people in our lives do we have that we don't connect with anymore and we need to go back and say that. So that even changed for me the the ability to think and go, okay, wait a minute, I want to do some things different because someone else that I love could have, could die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Maybe not through suicide. So yeah, I think it's just a part of that grieving process and and it can be good as long as we don't use it for bad in our lives and, and beat ourselves up. You use it for good. And that can be so hard. I love how, <laughs> how you, there's such a, like with anything, just that fine balance. And what you said too resonated as I was thinking now, unfortunately, being somebody similar to you, I have three significant in my life too suicide losses and kind of knowing that as the way I put it, it's a soul dust that you can never really totally shake. It, yeah. You can be as healthy as you want and talking about it like mm-hmm. we are is really, really healthy mm-hmm. um, and it's super normal. There's so many stages of grief, but then yes, stages of suicide grief, I just <laughs> think is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but even watching that kind of manifest through my 10 year old as she was processing now this new reality that not only did my much loved uncle die, but in fact, he chose it, like just watching Mm -hmm. her kind of process that and the questions that she'd have later. And one of the things that she said, and just kind of watching that come through is, I think if he would have thought of me, he wouldn't have done it, which was hard as a mama to hear, you know, but it was just such this innocent, beautiful thought Uh that I know I've had several times myself. So it's not only the guilt of what you didn't say, but this feeling like, you know, how could I not have been a good enough reason? But Mm -hmm. it's so, those things are so normal for suicide survivors. I think is that accurate? I, yes, a hundred percent agree. I think the questions will still keep coming. You know, my own children learned of my mom's suicide. It wasn't really recent, but kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they always knew they've never met my mom and they always knew that she had died before they were born. And then at some point it, you know, I wasn't going to lie to them and say she died of anything, but what she died of. And, and so they've known that term and whatnot, but even just recently, my 10 year old, you know, just said something and, and then was like, well, how do people commit suicide? And I was like, oh, right. Because I don't even know that you, there's all lots of different ways that people use, you know, so we had to have this talk and I wasn't ready for it. I'm prepared. I didn't know. <laughs> so yeah. I think, yeah, it's the, the discussion, but being open and honest and telling, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> sometimes right. is the right answer. Well, it isn't that, you know, part of why, why don't I have this conversation with you in this interview is part of this is we got to remove the stigma of it. Yeah. it not only the, the language we use, but what we are and aren't talking about around the people who are struggling with mental health challenges, because mm-hmm. we're afraid that if we, you know, call it out, if we, if we say directly, are you going to harm yourself? You know, do you have a plan to end your life? Yes. We can't, we are so unaccustomed to being direct like that. And we feel like it's going to propel that mm-hmm. event to happen when in reality, that's something we need to do. Right. Those are hard things. And, and that's training that I've had. I know it's training that you've had. So mm-hmm. if we kind of shift gear a second into that topic, what do you think is the most important information that listeners need to know in order to be what we would consider maybe more suicide aware to help prevent this in their own lives, the people around them, or mm-hmm. some of the tools that you've gained over time? Yes. Well, of course, 
I think the stigma is been being lifted. And for certainly in the schools, um, we are doing all kinds of training. And, you know, so our teachers have learned things that, you know, they can handle things that they would never have dreamed, you know, to be able to ask these kinds of questions. And, you know, and they know where to go for resources just as much as me. And so I think that is such a strength. But even in the in the business community and, you know, the I think mental health as a whole is getting better about not being so stigmatized. As far as resources, there's just so much out there. And I think any training that you could go to any, you know, we did that youth mental health first aid and what a blessing that is. And that doesn't cost money for people to to take. You know, the community ed offers it all the time. And there's just lots of resources that are out there to really help you learn more about it. And people are just quick to make excuses and oh you know, just because someone's depressed doesn't mean that they're going to commit suicide. And, you know, so we need to learn a little bit more about well, what does this really mean? Yeah. Um, whatever the diagnosis is. And, you know, and we all have somebody we know and love that has some sort of mental health issue. And it doesn't mean that they're going to commit suicide, but we need to know what does it look like? Yeah. And that's so hard. I mean, that's the, that's the gray area and the hard work, you know, that when you start to train your eye on it, Um, I've just been trained with the mental health first aid, the youth mental Mm -hmm. health first aid, but they do have for adults, the QPR training, that question, predict, refer is also Mm -hmm. another um, really great resource to look into. But I was also thinking, I like that you delineate the mental health challenges don't equate to suicide. Um, And, you know, this week is national suicide prevention week. I like that you're saying, you know, don't tie the two depression, anxiety, um, all in all the other kind of pieces that we have in terms of mental health don't equate to suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. or suicidal ideation, which are kind of two different yeah. things. But you know, one in five mm-hmm, yeah. suffer from a mental health challenge. Mm-hmm. And so that I mean, for me, when I saw that statistic, it was like, okay, I get it. You know, we're not alone. There's so many people that are struggling. Um, and I think, like you said, in the greater communities, we're having more and more focus on mental health um, and opening up those conversations. And, and yeah. it's so good. Yes. And being a part of that today in this interview is, I think, really important. But also realizing, as you said, too, I'm going to go back to your story about your mom. It touched me so much to hear you say that there had been so many attempts that you kind of had this fake, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. When you say fake, what yeah. is that? Can you explain? Can you just kind of unpack that a little bit more? When I said it, I was thinking more like this false sense of security. Yeah, maybe is a better that that's where I was headed. Honestly, there it was fifteen attempts in twelve months, Mm. and so it was a year of that. And so I sort of became maybe numb to it. Like, oh, she's in the hospital again. Well, go about my day. (laughs) And so, and I certainly wasn't that callous about it, but I know that her actual death rocked me. Yeah. And you would logically think it wouldn't have because of that many attempts. And, you know, so I must've had that false sense of she really doesn't want to die. So she's not going to. And, and that just wasn't the case. She really wasn't healthy. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it just gave me a better sense of to even reach out and to, you know, that really helped me to 
get help for myself and figure out what, you know, I'm a counselor. And so it took me five, six counselors because they all have the same degree as me. So I'm just sitting there giving them the same hands. Like, <laughs> I know what you're asking me. And I'm not going there with you. <laughs> so asking for help and trying to process that and getting through that was intensely hard, but necessary and and helpful. And I think, you know, even us as adults, you know, if our children are experiencing that different mental health challenges, certainly getting help for them and and getting the resources in place and, and learning that. But man, I think about me as a mom that, you know, I need some help. I need to figure out how to parent this child with these issues, you know, so I would hope that should those diagnoses ever come our way, that I would reach out and get some more help for myself on top of for our family in general. So there's just something to be said about, you know, we're in this club and no one wants to be and it's kind of a cliche, like here we are and none of us want to be here. But man, the things we can learn from each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just people who get it that don't get it. And so and it utilize that. Yeah. It, yeah. Let's be honest. It sucks being in that club. Yeah. I hate that club membership. <laughs> I want to tear up the card and toss it away. <laughs> but when I think back and I look at that, it didn't strike me as I don't know why I found some comfort in seeing like with with my brother in particular, or I had just published an episode this week about, you know, my first love, his sister had completed a suicide Mm -hmm. when he was young. And I don't know why it comforts me to know that there's a connection Mm -hmm. because I feel like, well, then it's a, it's a clue. It's a puzzle piece that we can follow so that, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have that experience in your own life, then start looking around and, you know, we're all connected. And I think once we know we're in that club, there's so many more of us in that (laughs) club and then what, you know, like, how do we know, that my brother's end isn't going to affect me someday. You know what I mean? Like that we all struggle now with this pain, with this coping. So like you said, okay, so you've got people connected and close to you that are struggling with this, but how are you getting help for yourself? Because it sneaks up on us, I think. Yes. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I was going somewhere with that. I know you can tell. (laughs) We do. We have so many ways of coping with our pain and our grief, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes that coping is ignoring it. Like, it's not a problem for me, right? Yeah. And then it sneaks up and it becomes a problem. I saw today there's a pretty well-known pastor who actually created Anthem Hope. 30 years old, completed his own suicide this week. Mm. And I bring it up because I just feel like for there's any listener that's, they're in that kind of cycle or that drudgery of their own mental health challenges and suicidal thoughts. And, you know, they've reached out for help and they're going through their therapies. They might even be on medication. You know what I mean? Like they have a faith that's so grounded in the fact that they'll be loved. Here you have this example, this really well-known faith community example who just he ended mm-hmm. his own life this week. And I was reading that and thinking my heart sunk because I'm like, you know, if a person like that who has had a mission in life, who's created this whole community mm-hmm. loses his battle, then what does it mean for the rest? Um, but what I found as I kind of dug through that thread was his wife rose up and said, look, I will carry your banner for you. You had this lifelong challenge that you were so open about and you oh. brought so many people out into the light from yeah. that darkness. And even though you lost that battle, it means nothing in the scheme of what your life was meant to be. And I'm thinking, yikes. I mean, that was, it actually flipped my my uh-huh. mind again on the fact that uh-huh. it is hopeful. 
Yes. And that's why I want to talk to you today and share and so that you could name yours and share yours. Our lives are so connected and they never end if, you know, the stories matter. And Mm -hmm. if we help two or three people in our conversation today, then... Yep. That matters too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's incredible. And I think how powerful that even the things, you know, we're passionate about certain topics or certain causes, for lack of a better word, um, but that legacy lives on and, and that will be part of, you know, that his work probably be furthered because of the reality is none of us are immune. We're just not. And there's seasons in all of our lives that we can face these sort of things and and it's how what we do and how we cope and reach out and let others in and you know there isn't a magic wand or a great solution or we'd all be millionaires figure it out (laughs) you know everyone has got something to give that's incredible Poignantly incredible. Mm-hmm. You obviously have, um, you know, a lot of experience as a suicide survivor. And when defining that as a person who has survived through the wreckage of their own life of their loved ones, you know, completing a suicide, I think there are a couple of different ways we could look at suicide survivors could be those sure. who have attempted and, yes. and are still alive. But that's kind of the terminology that we, that you, I know you and I use, yeah. we identify ourselves as suicide survivors. Is there anything that you could say that might help individuals who have just recently experienced this themselves and it's fresh and they just don't know yet? We love you and we're sorry and man, find support, some process through this and don't do it alone. Don't, don't hide from it and don't and talk about your loved one share their stories, share their history. They, we keep them alive through the stories we tell of those that are gone. And so utilize those and, and write stuff down because you'll forget, to, mm-hmm. you know, all of those tips for grief in general. But, you know, like I said, this particular grief is give yourself some grace because, man, <laughs> it's a journey. And but reach out and let others help you through it. Oh yeah, for sure. And giving yourself grace is not like, I'm sure any grief, but this one, I think because that anger stage comes up on you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as a person who's experienced that, just thinking, don't ruin anything. (laughs) Like don't ruin your memories (laughs) that, you know, that's just such a practical thing that I think back on. Like I, you know, that, that anger piece has the potential to make you feel worse later. Yeah. And the other thing that I kind of experienced and I, it's hard to say this out loud, but because there's such stigma Mm -hmm. and I think people will come at it with their own feelings about shame if their loved one ended that way Mm -hmm. to share my brother's example. I know when we were um, planning his services that at first it was going to be just this, you know, a tiny little funeral home. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we found is that we ended up having over 400 people at his funeral and we needed Mm -hmm. to go to the larger venue. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like, I I just, I wasn't a part of those decisions. I just was a part of the discussion kind of after the fact and realizing that, your loved one deserves that honor, uh, no matter how they ended, that people loved your loved one yes. just as much as you would want to even think. Cause I know it's hard, like yes. in those first after moments where you're thinking, 
how can I talk about this? Like, how can I even face this? You feel your own stigma and your own shame um, right away, I think. I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but it's just kind of something I've seen. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to splash in the in the public and there's this really awkward etiquette like how do you write that your individual you can say lost their battle with cancer you yes. can say lost their battle yes. with whatever but right. you know it's I found um, even recently when I had a colleague who passed I mean I just had this sinking feeling in this last year I saw that he passed and had no idea and just really kind of found out the hard way mm-hmm. after the fact you know yep. that that he had completed a suicide but because we don't want to talk about it yes you know yep. it's hard yes but I guess I would just say if you're somebody who maybe these words will resonate, I hope they don't um, because I hope you don't have to experience it. But that's just something that I, yeah. I've seen and, and have lived. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's very real. Absolutely. Yeah. Death is hard regardless. And so to make the cause of death something to be an extra challenge to overcome is it's just not even right. So, yeah. I think, you know, easy to say no, but. Yeah, but that we can say that because that experience, right? Yes. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Mrs. Don Myers, D. Myers, <laughs> you are just amazing. And I'm so glad we sat down for this conversation. We kind of come together and all the great resources that are out there. You know, yes. we've referenced some trainings that you can do, but also you would reference things like, you know, if you're a survivor and you're struggling, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has some incredible resources that I'll link for survivors, for those suffering with um, mental health crisis, for those who just want to advocate, who are part of like who Don and I are now, where we've experienced this and we just want to rise up and assist others that there's several ways you can advocate in your local communities as well as globally. So we'll make sure to link all of that too in the show notes. Do you have any final thoughts on this topic that you'd like to fit in before we end. We had mentioned before that I've known and been a suicide survivor for all these years, but you know, just didn't ever. I know, I know it's National Donut Day when it's National Donut Day, but <laughs> I don't know that it's you know the, it again that stigma piece. And so I just thank you for bringing awareness to this um, very important, very real topic that so many families face and um just shining your light on that so thank you thank you for being a part of it with me it matters Listeners, I cannot thank you enough for sharing in this message today. As challenging as it is to open the door to these conversations, we know that removing the stigma of mental health challenges and suicide awareness and prevention is so important to all of us. We were open in this conversation in ways that were challenging to us too. So please consider engaging with the resources linked to aid in your own experience. In addition, please consider joining me and my co-authors of Balance Like a Pirate in our partnership to raise funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. There's a link in the show notes. Together, we can work toward their mission of seeing a world without suicide. Blessings, friends.